Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, we remember one of the Bears' all time greats. We then transition to Bulls basketball as they found their next head coach. And postseason baseball, if you can believe it, is around the corner. We'll check in on the Cubs and Sox and all of their fans to see if they are ready for what could potentially be a Crosstown World Series. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for professionals. I'm Dan Collins, and you can find me on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. I have the luxury of doing this podcast with my co-host and friend, Joey Gelman. You could find him on the Tweet Machine at Joey Gelman. For this podcast, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. As heard in the teaser, the Bulls have found a new head coach. Job well done there. And the boys on the north side and the south side, well, they're getting ready for some October baseball, despite uh, the offensive slumps, if you will. We'll get into that in just a little bit down the road here on the program. But first things first, a little bit of sad news as the Bears, Chicago Bears lose a legend today in former running back Gail Sayers. Uh, who played with the team from 1965 to 1971. Uh, For those of you who catch the little video snippets of this show, you'll know that Joey and I, just from our youthful faces, were not born in that era. We we, we don't remember uh, Gail Sayers of the 60s or the 70s. Um, If you don't watch the video snippets and you just listen to our voices, I hope it's still young and energetic. (laughs) But either way, Um, while we weren't around, you know, during that era of not so dominant bears football, uh, it's still something that obviously we definitely want to touch on just from a respect standpoint, but also, um, you know, where some kind of news like this hits me is I just remember, and it always makes me reflect. I mean, heck, it's one of the reasons why I do this show in the first place, because Joey and I are obvious avid sports fans of the Chicago sports scene and just sports in general. And one thing, Joey, I don't know if this is the same for you, but it definitely was for me growing up and a lot of my friends who got into sports, you know, growing up at a young age, I basically got into sports maybe like around 10 years old. So for me, I'll, I'll age myself. I'll give it away. That puts me at around the year 2000, 2001. So I was about nine, 10 years old. Uh, First love was the White Sox and then, Slowly but surely, you know, a season or two later, the Bears, the Bulls, and so have you. And one of the things that I did, once again, along with a lot of my friends, is when you first get into sports and when it's like, you know, something you're not only getting into at playing, like, you know, in terms of playing at a competitive level, but watching, you know, on the big screen, you know, whether it be with another family member, brother, cousin, friend, dad, uncle, you name it, grandfather, you like almost automatically become like a historian of it like it piques your interest and you want to know a lot of the things that happened before it's like one of the things like whether it be the bulls and i i just missed the michael jordan era by this much but growing up i remember googling you know dick buckus gail sayers walter payton minnie minoso michael jordan you know scotty pippen even like guys like ron harper you know things like that and what I'm getting to is when you do that kind of research, you know, you, you see whatever kind of clippets or highlights that you could find, you know, you read into who these athletes were. Like it was almost like this folklore tale when you would look into these, you know, legendary players, you know, players of yore, you know, and it, it's just things you would hear about, like I said, from family members or older friends, you know, people who were either around during that time or people who, you know, their parents were around during that time. And you're almost passing on the, you know, oral legend of Gail Sayers, the the Kansas Comet. And so, so interesting that the NFL top 100, you know, what was it? November, this late, late 2019 came out with that top 100 list and Gail Sayers breaking their, their top 10. And you just watch the highlight reels and everything. And to me, he was like the first version of Barry Sanders. They both have that similar style in terms of just so elusive and their legs and their body do these movements that just put you in awe. And 
You know, if there's one thing we talk about a lot on on this program and about the Chicago Bears in general, and they've been a hot topic as of late just with the seasonality of it all and them just kicking off their season is, you know, while they may not have too many championships to their name as in, you know, one Super Bowl ever, you know, if you want to go back to before, you know, to early 60s and things like that, you know, when there was three teams in the NFL or whatever it was like, yeah, obviously they owned it, you know, and they brought a couple championships to Chicago, but come the Super Bowl era, only one to talk about, but still there's still rich history there. And a lot of rich history, even in that Sayers and Buckus era that didn't bring them too much glory on the field in terms of wins, but still in terms of just what he produced from an offensive level and what Buck has produced during those years on a defensive level, still just a lot of rich history there that you appreciate. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you look at that history and, you know, a lot of players in sports history, or at least recent sports history, are valued and processed and ranked based on championships and playoff and what have you and you look at someone like gail sayers i related to like in ernie banks where these guys were legendary athletes on the field great community members off the field and didn't have a single playoff appearance to show for it and you 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 feel for a guy like that but it shows you just how good he truly was by making that big of an impact in such short period of time for a team that was pretty bad i mean you know, when, when when you look at the Bears and you go, okay, they win a championship in 63. In 65, you draft Butkus and Sayers in the same draft? There's there's no way you could not win. And they didn't. But 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 either way, I mean, Gail Sayers kind of the gate and became a, a legend instantly. And there's really only a few names that you can think of when someone says, oh, the Bears. And you go, okay. Well, if you're really, really big Bears fan, you, you throw Hallis first. But then it's usually Sayers, Buttkiss, Peyton. I mean, maybe you go, like, you go yeah. Then you go like to the defensive unit of right, five eighty six, right? And then and then you get to Erlacher, and 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 that's kind of where it it goes. But it, it it's that Buttkiss, Sayers, and Peyton that are that trio, and it's it's a name in Gale Sayers as synonymous with Bears football and synonymous with hard-nosed talent and hard-nosed playing. And it's just, it's a, it's a big loss for the Bears community and for Chicago fans. I mean, there are still people, obviously many of them in Chicago that watched him play. I was talking to my dad about it today. You know, I mean, let's say in 65, he's a young guy or a young kid, but he went to Wrigley to see him play. And, and, you know, there are a lot of people still around that, that, know how great he was. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. No, funny about Wrigley Field. You know, when the, when the Bears played at Wrigley Field, and that is a very interesting connection of that Bears team that had names like Gale Sayers and Dick Buckus on it and comparing them to teams that had somebody like an Ernie Banks, right. you know, the Mr. Cub, or like a Ron Santo, a Billy Williams, a Fergie Jenkins, and just when – zero world series titles just like how you know the chicago bears won zero championships you know with you know sayers and buckus there and as a as a chicago sports fan i don't know if this is more subconscious than conscious but when you see a player like this pass you know it reminds you of and granted even though he wasn't part of any championship bears team whenever you lose history like that it still makes you hungry for just more just any type of success in the in the present day you know like we're always reminded of the 85 86 bears and we're finally getting to a point in this town which the first time ever where people fans they're actually starting to say like they're sick of it in terms of sick of hearing about it because it's time to move it's time to get the next super bowl the next lombardi lombardi trophy in that case and it's almost like the same as we're getting close to there, and it's funny because it's the team we're going to talk about next, but with the Bulls, like Michael Jordan, who, you know, maybe when LeBron James, you know, retires and that debate is, I don't know if that debate will ever be over, but still renowned by many, right, as Chicago's or, or as 
the league's greatest player ever. So that makes you cling to it more, just like the 85-86 beers are known as like, oh, they were the best defense ever. It's like, think 85-86 beers, best defense ever. The 90s Bulls, well, they had Michael Jordan. It's like we cling on to that so much that it's one of the things I think about when a, a bit of a bit of history is mentioned. And in today's news, obviously, it's more somber news because, you know, it's the passing of Gale Sayers. But it just makes you like hungry for more types of success, whether it be championships or players like that, you know, a legendary running back like a Gale Sayers. You want the next legendary player. You want to see the next legendary style team. And once again, I know the the Bears of the, you know, the mid to late 60s weren't necessarily that, but it just reminds you of like, wow, guys like Gale Sayers who like we would recognize fairly often in the city. You know, there's yeah. people like Walter Payton who we recognize often. Dick Buckus, we recognize him often. I mean, these are players that they, you see them a lot, you hear about them a lot, not necessarily even in the news, but just like I said, from family members or, you know, friends or, you know, friends your parents' age or you know, people like that. Like they'll bring those names up because that's what the history is. And I love it. Like, I love the fact of like remembering that history and, you know, being proud of it. And it's, you know, your diehard, this goes for any diehard Bears fan. Like, you like to know the history of it. You like to know Gail Sayers was a good product of that. But it still reminds you, like, as a sports fan and as a Chicago sports fan in general, like, let's, let's get this. Let's get this for somebody like a Gail Sayers who didn't have the chance to compete, you know, in a championship game. You know, let's get somebody like a Dick Buckus who, you know, who's still around and but didn't get to compete in a championship game. And maybe, you know, they get to watch the Bears back there because, heck, last time we got to saw the, the Bears in the Super Bowl, it wasn't too pretty. It was <laughs> We had Rex Grossman under center, but just wanted to start off the show there um, and just, just remember the great running back that Gail Sayers was. 4,956 yards rushing, uh, 39 touchdowns on the ground, uh, primarily over the five seasons. And you put you put the tidbit in here, Joey. What was it? 22 touchdowns as a rookie. Let me. I just want to make sure I got that right. Yeah, 22 touchdowns as a rookie. Uh, Hall of Famer, a great. One of the things I'm still upset about is I didn't see the movie we were talking about at pre-show, Brian's Song yet. I have to watch Brian's Song, the story about Gail Sayers and uh, his teammate and compadre, um, Brian Piccolo. So that's going to be maybe be on my next list. I finally <laughs> – You'll have finally a good cry. Me, It'll be good for you. I finally forced myself to watch it. Oh, you've seen it and cried. Look at that. I haven't cried yet, but I'm saying you probably will. I, I don't know. Maybe now that I'm older, I will have a good cry for it. And it's with Billy D. Williams, who's – you know, since we're both Star Wars fans – that's, that's royalty to us. But no, I just one quick thing before I know we move on to the next subject. But for sure, um, you're absolutely right in what you're saying about you want another guy to wrap your arms around like that. And it's it's just so cool to see that when there's a guy like Gale Sayers who who captures a city, or like a Michael Jordan that captures the city, and you just want to put everything aside because I know like it's sometimes our job to be critical and to be cynical about things. And especially in sports, it's easy to do that. But I want just for a second to throw that all away. And I know that probably gets us the more cynical and crazy you are, the more people listen to your show, but it's the idea of just throwing that away and wanting to just love an athlete for who they are on and off the field. And, and that's someone you could do that with, with Gail Sayers. And it, it's, it's, it, it deifies them. They're a legend it's it's something really special, and you see how a city can do that in an instant with a player they love, and, and and the Bears have had a few in their history, but none really much like like a Gale Sayers. Like that name's really synonymous with Bears football, and um, it's a sad day for for Bears fans and the Bears family, but it's a great way. Um, or I guess I should say it's a great excuse in a weird way to, to celebrate him. And it's a guy that oh, that, that deserves um, all the accolades and recognition he gets. And and, and to have a, a Bears team, you know, they don't have much successful history on the offensive side of the ball. But to, to have someone like Gale Sayers, you transition into Walter Payton. And Walter Payton carries that that legacy with him from the from from the former, you know, Hall of Famer that was that was running before him. And it's just it's 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 a it's a special bond that they'll have, and and you know it's like kind of crazy now they're both gone, and it's and 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 it's another you know reason to celebrate you know Walter Payton too, and and you just you 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 
respect and remember them and hope for another athlete comes your way like that, not in, instead of one that we can bash every day on on a podcast because of their flaws both on and off the field. I want someone I can I can wrap my arms around. No, absolutely well said. And yeah, you know, you you think of Bears like you said in terms of just lining them up because, like, just for example, you think of Bears and linebackers where it's Buckus, Singletary, Erlacher. But yeah, don't forget that. You know, when you kind of had an era of Sayer, Sayers and then oh, a little bit later down the road, you know, a decade, decade and a half later, you get somebody like a Walter Payton. So for sure. And sad day, but even more importantly, maybe, like you said, a reason to remember and celebrate it more or less as the Bears wait for that next great, uh, whether it be, hey, I'll, I'll take it, whether it be offensively or defensively. We've been waiting for a long time for an offensive great, uh, but we'll take it any way we come and um obviously not too much more on beers football for this show even though you know we will touch on that later in the week and most likely recap we will recap um the game on sunday against the falcons but moving forward as we said in terms of looking you know for that next person to cling to in chicago sports maybe it will either be not necessarily a player but a head coach billy donovan for the bulls or maybe he'll coach the next big thing for the Chicago Bulls. Because speaking of eras, Joey and I are sick, as well as the other Bulls fans are sick. We're talking about Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls. And we're tired of missing the playoffs after the Derrick Rose era. Man, that was that was almost a really good era, wasn't it? Almost a really so good close. era. So close. So we're out of that. close. We're, we're, we're done with that as well. You know, no, no need to uh, bring up those old wounds. But Joey... They finally did it. They found a head coach. And like you said, a head coach with head coaching experience. You must be ecstatic. Oh, I am. But did you catch yourself on what you just said? You almost said Garpax. Because I it's so, said, yeah. It's so synonymous. <laughs> I, I saw you like, I st- yeah, almost. You're right. You're it's absolutely right. Almost but, happened. But see, that's a, that's a big storyline that comes in this it's we're so synonymous that that name is so synonymous with cynical thought and taintedness (laughs) on this franchise that it just comes of course that's what's going on it's like wait a minute there's a clean slate here you you have arturis karnashovas and marcus eversley and they hired billy donovan and it goes wow you kind of have a, a team now that can be respected by the league and and, and yep. Pax is is kind of shoved to the corner. Foreman's gone, and and Pax wasn't even in the press release. I mean, it, it was like such a refreshing thing of we are now an NBA team that can be valued by future players, draft picks, agents. I mean, whomever. It, it's it, you know you can get into the X's and O's of what kind of coach Donovan will be, but but it's the idea of you have a regime now with AK Eversley and Donovan. That is a legit NBA front office and coaching trio that has garnered respect throughout the league already and can move the Bulls forward as a destination for future players because they know now. This is a a no-nonsense front office. You're not going to have all the drama and the infighting and the mutiny and the punch clocks and all that garbage. You have now... A, a, a accountability system in place that is actually real and respected. And when you have players coming out in, in defense of this move and are excited and happy to have a new fresh start, those old tropes of the past and booing, that booing was more fun than cheering for this team. I mean, there's at least a hope now, a legitimate hope that this group can get the Bulls to the next level because none of the baggage is coming with it. They finally got rid of all of it. And that's my biggest takeaway of of this whole thing is now there's there's fresh eyes on this. They can come yeah. tomorrow and say, Zach Levine is, is not the guy we thought he was. Kobe Wright is trash. And I would say... <laughs> and you buy all of it. But I believe it because I trust them. I wouldn't trust the other guys because they gave Felicio a $32 million guaranteed contract. And he's Love still it. paying them. Love it. So I don't know if Zach Levine's trash or, or Kobe's garbage yet. I think there's still don't a lot of growth. But it, it's that idea of they are a trusted resource now for Bulls fans to turn to. And that's vitally important because this team has not had anybody's trust for the last decade. While I, while I totally agree with you, it's just interesting that and, – and this can happen a lot of times in, you know, in, in just in the world of sports where – 
I love it. You know, you as a Bulls fan, I'm sure many Bulls fans do have like this newfound confidence in the team. And it literally so far, even though, you know, we have the NBA draft coming up, but so far it only, it simply stems from a new look front office and a new head coach with a respectful resume. But like I said, which is fine. I totally agree. But yeah, it, it is refreshing. Like you said that, you know, now they have somebody new at the helm in terms of making these decisions. They bring in a respectable coach five years, you know, recently with the Oklahoma City Thunder and five years in the playoffs. I'll take that. I mean, I know the last four years, first round loss, but, you know, better than what we were doing <laughs> as of late. Um, it was a respectful record. Now, obviously, you're talking about the titles and um, in Florida at the collegiate level and coaching USA basketball. So exciting news and Refreshing also in the sense, like you mentioned, just a veteran presence, uh, re- somebody respectable there. And I know everybody respected the heck players and fans alike of Boyland. You know, I know everybody loved him and I know the players respected the heck out in of him. In what universe did you see that? <laughs> so, you, you, sarcasm definitely coming off here. Is the sarcasm oh, coming off thick or is it? <laughs> How many Sink beefs did in. him and Zach Levine have? I feel like they were beefing every other week. Oh, easily. Boyland. It was a disaster. It was just silly. So I think we definitely see a lot less, hopefully none of that, you know, with, with Billy Donovan calling the shots. And I don't know if we'll see a lot of timeout blunders or just goofiness. You know, I don't know if hopefully the Bulls aren't losing, you know, by 20 or 30 plus points in the fourth quarter with two minutes left. But if they are, I don't know how many timeouts will be called. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go there. See, look at Joe, you, you had to mention just crapping on coaches and players and whatnot and making fun and booing and making fun of them. And look where I'm going. This was supposed to be optimistic. Forget about Boylan for a second. We'll go back to Donovan, but impressive resume. I mean, for me, impressive enough, right? I mean, you could critique, you know, losing in the playoffs, all you want, this, this, and that, but a respectable name. And I think that's, that's what's refreshing about today. And now you move forward to the NBA draft and the off season and, Hag, you, you just want these boys to play again. Can, can we play basketball again? Is that allowed? And I'm watching, you know, obviously due to COVID, you know, this year and for, you know, and just the wild ride that 2020's been, uh, and you know, the playoffs now being postponed. We, we get to watch plenty of NBA basketball. It's it's coming up, you know, to a wrap soon. But let's get the boys out there again. I don't want to wait till Christmas. Do we got to wait till <laughs> Christmas to see this. Probably. And I, I know there's still a long way to go. And most importantly, like you mentioned, we have to get that big name free agent here we have to get that big signing here that's probably what's most important and that's definitely what should be on the checklist on the checklist next um, for this bulls franchise and hey if if getting a new coach you know that comes with you know just that kind of respect around the league it's a respectable enough name to you know want to go to the bulls there and be a part of what they're trying to build you know whether that be with with white and levine who knows? Like you said, if 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 they come into the Bulls come in tomorrow and say, "Now nah, we're tossing them," then all right, you know, <laughs> like you said, you'll buy that. But it's where they always mention about the Bulls trying to bring in a big name free agent so they can help bring in another big name free agent, right? But maybe it starts small. Maybe it's just revamping the front office, bringing in a new head coach who has a respectable enough resume who you could look at and say. Yeah, all right. I trust the X's and O's that are going to be called here. Yeah, all right. I trust the people at the top making the moves. This is what's finally going to bring us here. And right. that's probably the right way to go because the strategy of bringing in a hot star free agent just to bring in another one, well, how are you going to get the first one? Right. <laughs> you got to have a little something there. And the fact was we didn't. We had – you know, you, you, you look just a season ago or so, you had Garpax, who I almost made that slip up of and called it because it was so synonymous. <laughs> like you had that – one-two punch running the show right you had boylan who they decided they were going to give another try to at, at the head coaching spot right. and just saw that now all that's gone it's all, all of it. gone. right that that's what? why I, <laughs> that's why i think when you say you're starting small with that i think that's even bigger than anything they will ever do free agent wise because you had a a, a culture here top to bottom that was incompatible with the modern nba I mean, the fact that you had a front office that enabled someone like Jim Boylan to be like, you know what we need in the modern NBA when players are bigger than any team and they're their own brands and multimillionaires? A, a hard-ass coach that wants a punch clock. 
Like, what the hell are you thinking, right? It's like, but we want, we need the hard ass. We got to get him in here. They got to whip these players in shape. They're not going to respond to that. This is in high school. It's the NBA. And, but they thought that was the right way to go. Or they, or years back when Paxton threatens and gets in a fist fight with Vinny Del Negro because they're arguing about Joakim Noah's minutes. It's like, what are you, like, how is that a, an okay place? So then if you're a free agent and you and I sit here and go, well, as fans, Chicago's the greatest city in the world. Why would you ever not want to come here? And I'm at one free agent and I go, I'm not walking into that dumpster fire train wreck of an organization. Why would I ever go there? And, and that's what you you have now, a, a complete 360 of a view of this of this franchise. All that is gone, like you said. You have a fresh, fresh look of where they came out, and there's no prior relationship with Billy Donovan and AK and Eversley. And, and Billy Donovan turned down the opportunity to rebuild with the Thunder. And if Garpatch is still here... There would be no way in hell he would have joined this organization. Because why would you want to be in that toxic culture? But there's something now here that is fresh and that's new and that resets everything and resets how the Bulls are viewed in the entire NBA of they're a legitimate franchise, a legitimate team that is now on the right track to building something from from a toxic culture and the smallest scouting department and the idiocy that that was is gone. And I know now I will never, ever, ever have a job with the Bulls because I've shit on them so much in this episode. <laughs> but it's it's just it's exciting. It's refreshing. It's something new that just completely changed the whole trajectory for the Bulls and, 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 and Bulls fans. Stay on that soapbox. Don't come off yet. Stay on there. I'm, I'm on, on there. With- I'm going to flip it right back to you because there's something I do want to talk about. And it's actually the quote from Charles Barkley that you sent over to me earlier, which is Charles Barkley on NBA TNT on the on Billy Donovan taking uh, this Bulls head coaching job in quote that you sent me earlier, which I love. I laughed when I read it. Only two worse jobs than that, you know, said Charles, the captain of the Titanic and my fitness coach. <laughs> and. I'm with you because when you first sent that over, is the job that bad? Are the are the only two worst jobs not even NBA related? It's just the captain of the Titanic and whoever your fitness and probably golf coach, the golf swing coach is. Like, well, is it really that bad? It's because of the reputation. That's that's what they're trying to fix and patch back together. Is you have someone with the power of Charles Barkley being like, your organization sucks, and that's a big transition for this organization to to get back on their feet they've they've been marred by that that stigma and i think it's twofold i think once charles barkley and the league understand that there's a new regime here they'll gain more respect but now it goes in the secondary level of what he's talking about too is the players they've done so poorly in 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 drafting and even if they draft in player development to where they they give a Felicio a contract but say Spencer Dinwiddie's not good enough for this team. And now it's the opposite. And it's like, how did you miss like not that Dinwiddie is just I mean, he's a good player, but not that he's a you know, championship because of guy, but it's the idea of there th- there's been such misses that you really have to start from scratch and evaluate in this roster. And now that you have fresh eyes on it, you can do it. So when Charles Barkley says he doesn't know if these players are that good, they may not be that good. But now you have a group of people that can tell you that. So if they tell me, okay, listen, we, we traded for Zach Levine. We got Kobe White. Wendell Carter Jr.'s here. Larry Markkinen's here. But if this group comes out and tells me those guys aren't good enough, then I believe them. And, and if they say we're going to rebuild again, okay. No, I, I, I do think that it. was uh, – it was definitely a bit of an exaggeration. I mean, I'm not going to call it a hot take or anything right, like but that. that right, but that's the reputation they have, and that's really a serious problem, which is why this these moves are so important. Yeah, but more to your original point, that's the reputation you have if Garpax is still up there making these moves, or you don't have that anymore. Like you say, you have AK and now Billy Donovan running the show, you know, from top, top to bottom onto the court. So – I think that I'll agree with this much of that quote. It might not be an ideal jump to the sky job today, 
but that doesn't mean it can't be an awesome job to have the Bulls head coach a season or two from now. You know, I mean, just think about a, just a little long term. Like, sure, going into the roster he has and just moving forward immediately into next season, sure, it might not be your ideal dream job to coach the Bulls in their current state, but that's not the plan. The plan isn't for him to come in and coach this current team and build them up from just what they are now. The plan is to obviously go out there, draft well, develop, bring in free agent names, trade away some of the pieces if need be. The whole point of it is to build. And one more thing I want to touch on before we go on ahead and transition off the topic is something should, you know, kind of has to be said for him and him and OKC decided to part ways after his time there. You know, he put in a handful of seasons and they both, you know, as the reports say, mutually decided that it just wasn't going to work. So he decided in a mutual way with OKC to walk away and what the Bulls had to offer both, you know, in their current state and future potential that's what he said, yeah, to. That's what he said, yes. That's what he was willing to sign on the line for. That, you know, plus dollars and everything. But he's going to get a head coaching job if he wants. You know, he, he could have found, you know, the dollars anywhere for the most part um, in terms of teams that had openings. But this is the opening that he wanted to go to. Mutually left OKC, was a free agent for a little bit, and now with the Chicago Bulls. And I just think that a little something has to be said there because – you have to pitch the guy to get him to sign the line. The Bulls obviously wanted him. You know, they they made him the offer. They they wanted Billy Donovan to come in. I'm excited he was one of the one the one they chose, but there was obviously some good enough sales pitch there. I just hope that it's more of a sales pitch or less of a sales pitch and just more of a promising, truthful, optimistic future. Potential future there is potential there because like i said it doesn't necessarily only have to come through the draft or free agency you can also trade some pieces away if you will like you said if ak came in tomorrow and said we're getting rid of player x y and z no matter if it's a levine or white or who have you or marketing you're down for it not saying that that deserves or that should happen or those players you know deserve to be the ones looked at to get dealt because for whatever reason but that's that's the way of going. Anything goes now. Yeah, I mean, it, I, yeah, there there must have been some good selling job there because if if Billy Donovan's buying into these players, in one weird way, it gives credibility to Gar Packs and how they drafted, which makes me angry because I don't like what they did. But there also is the other side to it, and that's what everyone's talked about in the last you know day or two. Is and even in in, in Carter Shovis' statement, it was about player development. And there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, and you, and, and you look at Donovan's list of some guys, whether it's Stephen Adams, Jeremy Grant, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Let's say that name ten times fast. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, and, and these aren't huge prospects, but they were developed into solid NBA players. And I think we're looking at a Bulls roster that has a lot of pieces that can be developed into those solid NBA players. They may not be stars, and I think that's what the problem with the last Bulls management was. If they were trying to rely on those guys to be stars versus developing them into the players they could be and be successful at. And if you admit that and go, okay, a Kobe White maybe not may not be your starting point guard of the future, but he may be your sixth man, Lou Williams, and that's his role, then you build out a, a star point guard or trade for one who brings something in and build that up. And, and it's it's fitting the pieces together from a developmental perspective to get them to their best ability. That's what's vital, and that's a big piece I think the Bulls have been missing for a while is taking the guys they have and building them them up. And I will give credit, that's something Thibodeau did. As, as much as he gets railed on, he elevated the play of so many players that would never have been anywhere uh, when he was with the Bulls. And I think that's a big factor of Donovan must see. He can develop these guys into what he wants and has the assurances from management that he will be given the resources to to build out the roster with actual NBA stars at some point or, or build out NBA stars. You're optimistic. 
I'm optimistic. Let's go Bulls. Woohoo! Something to be happy about. It, it is. When's it, the last time you were optimistic about the Bulls? I mean, that, <laughs> that's a phenomenal question. Um, Legitimately optimistic would probably be the year Rose got hurt when they were in the playoffs. That was the last year you were legitimately optimistic? Probably. Mm, I don't know. Something for whatever reason is bringing me back to the Jimmy Butler trade to the Wolves that you know landed our hotshot Levine here in the first lease because... Yeah, how's that working out? He's in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting buckets. No, only because... I mean, I, I know at that time, I initially felt a little optimism only because I felt that, okay, we're trying. Like, we're making some kind of commitment to say this is kind of the route we need to go. And I wasn't overwhelmingly optimistic, but it's the last time I probably had some form of optimistic in my gut, optimism in my gut when it comes to Chicago Bulls. And at least now, where we stand today, in the present day, a lot of work to get done, still something to be optimistic about. Something hopefully to remain optimistic about, but we don't know if we are. Check the pulses. Joey, you check yours. I check mine as a Cubs fan and a Sox fan. I don't know. Maybe a little worried. <laughs> the White Sox. I'll start with I'll start with my boys on the south side. Defeated in six of their last eight games. That includes four in a row and back-to-back walk-off losses to the Cleveland Indians. That second one coming tonight as we are recording the show here on Wednesday night, the 23rd of September, to be released tomorrow on the 24th. Thank you for listening. But back-to-back walk-off losses. Last night was ugly. The Cubs, also victims of a walk-off loss. The Cubs also losing again today to the what should be inferior Pittsburgh Pirates. Joey, the Sox have clinched a playoff spot, hopefully the division, but regardless, they're in October. They're on the dance floor. The Cubs also haven't clinched the division yet, but have clinched a playoff spot also in October, also on the dance floor. Why am I not more excited? It's because <laughs> the bats on both sides of town are down. Yeah. Robert in a slump. Moncada, massive slump. Jose Abreu still holding it together, thank God. Um, one of just a consistent start to finish. He's just obviously going to have the season. Love it. But as, especially this week, he's been one of the bright stars because all the other ones are just strong. And, oh wait, did this go out? Yeah, it went out. Oh, come on. I saw you. Oh, and Jose Abreu. I'll get back on track. Let's see. And I knew this was going to happen eventually when it came to having a slump because it's going to happen. Whether it's 162 games, whether it's 81 games, whether it's 60, right? It was going to happen. And I just didn't really want it to happen now. But but I guess you I guess you ask yourself, well, when was it going to happen? And the thing to cling on to the most in terms of we'll get back to the the over overwhelming overarching theme of the show, which has been optimism, is hopefully they just ride the slump out for only one or two more games, and then we get back on track right before the playoffs, which if you want to, you only have four games starting tomorrow to do so. One more against Cleveland, and then you go right up to the north side and have three more, you know, with the boys over there up north and I mean, whether it takes one more, one game from now, two games from now, you need some kind of spark. And I'm hoping, hey, for both teams, I hope that this weekend is just an offensive powerhouse going both ways. I hope this. I hope the score is 12 to 10 almost every day. Actually, I don't. I don't want the White Sox or I don't want the Cubs scoring that much runs on White Sox pitching. But the bats need to wake up on both sides of town. It's by far the biggest point of concern and probably more so for Cubs fans because the offense just simply hasn't been there at all this season. It just hasn't been. They just have not performed nearly to what their potential is. And the White Sox who have exceeded expectations for the first three fourths of this season now going through that slump. And I'm questioning whether 
they just hit that slump 50 plus games in, you know, at like the 50 game mark. Or if coincidentally, if it also has to do with clinching that, that playoff berth, because right around that time, about when the magic number was one and one, two, you know, in that area, right when they were on the cusp of finally stamping a postseason ticket for the first time since 2008, which was the blackout game uh, season. That's when the woes started happening and the slump started. And I don't know if it's a combination of both. I don't know if it's mostly just this 50 plus game hiccup, (laughs) but it needs to change. Somebody help me. We're going to the playoffs for the first time since 2008. I want this to be fun. And regardless, I think it will be. Um, Do you just at least want to see the bats pick it up just a little bit? I mean, they don't have to be that overwhelming offensive team they were necessarily over on, even though that would be great. But I just want them to be good enough to give us a chance. And like I said, probably a little more worrisome over there on the north side because, well, as you know, Joey, those batches haven't been there at all. Yeah, at all. And and it's it's interesting because you, you almost – people will say, oh, it's an asterisk kind of season and it was easier playing 60 games. I actually think it's kind of harder. Like I know there's a – like the grind of the full season is brutal. But in a 60-game season and now it will be, you know, let's say it's 90 days worth of baseball with a month for the playoffs – you don't have the luxury to have a slump anymore. You don't have the luxury to have a couple of bad weeks or a couple of bad months to spread over six or seven months of season. You have two and a half, three months to play at your best. And, and I th- that actually plays more to the mental exhaustion than the physical exhaustion. Because when right. you first brought that up, I thought you were going to mention, sure, it's a shorter 60-game season, but you just have to play every damn day. But you actually took it the other way in terms of, how mentally exhausting does that be to where you're playing a 60-game season and you can't afford to slump at all, whereas in 162, you could go on or off. But right. very interesting, yeah, that you're hitting you on have the to, mental exhaustion. Yeah, you have to be perfect every day. And the playoffs are going to start with a completely revamped format where up until the World Series, you're again playing every day with no off days because there's no travel anymore. So it's it's just a, 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 a an interesting way to look at the season because it's it's just different baseball's always been about a pendulum and now you don't have that and you know you you can worry not that i'm going to be like debbie downer but you can you can worry that okay my team's in a slump they have to play in less than a week on a playoff stage how can they turn that around i i i don't know but i i i hope they can and you know, I, I, I trust they will both make it and get out of that first round, but it's a real idea of the formats change, the season's different. You know, at least for basketball, hockey, and football, there's somewhat of a normal season. Baseball is the only one that's changed the rules, changed the dates, changed the format, because it's Rob Manfred and he ruins everything. But it, it's it's fascinating to watch it because, like, everyone's, you know, as say from a Cubs perspective, everyone is just crapping on on Chris Bryant, and he's had a really tough year, and he's been hurt and and everything. But it's this idea of he's stuck in a really tough position, both on the field and off the field, where he doesn't have the luxury of time to get it together. He's been hurt, so he doesn't have enough time to rehab it. Mentally, he's toast. He's admitted to that because he has a newborn at home, and he's like. I'm going into work every day scared shitless that I'm going to bring coronavirus back to my house. And that's a real concern that everybody has. And that's and that's coming from your your elite third baseman. So it's that's like the perfect example of a guy of in this environment that's really taking a toll and he's one of the better players in the league and people going to say he's not tough enough and this and that like that's ridiculous. Like there's a reality here of this is a really weird situation that you could see some of the really top-tier teams get bounced early because they happen to get their slump that was supposed to come in July now in in, in October when the games matter. It's – especially for a team like the Cubs, who was five and six years now, playoff birds, I want to say. Yeah, it hasn't happened for them yeah. in 30 years. Yeah, so – it's definitely going to be different from them. It's a different. It's a different season for everybody playing this year. Um, 
it's definitely going to be different in the playoffs for them. The Sox, well, they haven't been there in, in 2008, so maybe, you know, it won't be obviously it won't be too different from them because they haven't been there the past few seasons. But yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that I guess I can hang on to for the White Sox going in is you hear it all the time: hitting's contagious, offense is contagious. The style club, they're they're sluggers. They have sluggers on that team. If that's the case, and this hitting is as contagious as as it can be in Major League Baseball, then all you really need is about one or two sluggers to start heating up. And then hopefully they heat up the two to three other sluggers. And even if you're facing really good pitching, which you're going to be facing in the playoffs, sometimes all it takes is one or two bad pitches from the opposing side. And don't let there be a runner or two on base because now there's a crooked number up on that board courtesy of the home run ball. So that's kind of what I'm hanging my head on to. But not only that, but they can also legitimately do it. I mean, these players have proven that, and any, especially Jose Abreu, right, who's in the MVP, AL MVP race. At any given time, it could be dangerous. They could turn it on. You mentioned Chris Bryant, who I do want to talk about instead of just you know a back-and-forth playoff conversation because we touched on him a little last week. And I do want to touch on him a little bit again. Are you happy? It's a crazy question. And we touched on it a little. We, dab, we dabbled in it a little last week. But are you happy he's still a Chicago Cub? And even more importantly, no matter how the season ends, do you for sure want Chris Bryant on the club next season? I'm in it's the, like the talk of the town recently. I know. I, I'm. I don't really get it. I'm in the Chris Bryant club. I, I. I. I'm a fan. I mean, this is a guy that grew before your eyes into a rookie of the year, NL MVP, World Series champion, All Star. You. You. You name it. I think he's had a really rough go the past couple of years, but he's still only 28, and 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 I think everyone's so quick to move on to try to find the next best thing. Maybe that's like our FOMO society. I don't know, (laughs) but it's just, it's interesting. Like that's going back to what we talked about earlier. That's a player that has every intangible that you wrap your arms around on the field and off the field. And you would think as Cubs fans, we would embrace that more, but now it's, it's become polarized of you're a Bryant or you're not a Bryant fan. And it's really weird to me. This is a guy that brought you your first world series that got the final out of the World Series, and 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 he's kind of being. Don't cling on the nostalgia, Joey. Don't <sighs> cling to. I'm gonna be. The, I'm just playing devil's advocate for you. Don't I know. Don't cling on to the nostalgia. Don't cling on to the rookie of the year and the MVP season. Don't you dare. You're not allowed. <laughs> but I still think he's got the potential to be that again. He's still young. Yeah, I. Again, and I, I hate bringing this up because it it just pains me. It really does. It sucks to even think about what the whole. Hasn't been the same since getting hit in the head, you know, theory. And there's numbers that suggest that, you know, we talked about a little last week. There are, but he's, he's, he still has those tools. He still has those promise. And more to your point is how the hell do you give up on a guy that soon? Like, sure. He only has a few seasons to his name that were, pretty damn good on the north side but he's also only had just a couple slumpy ones and we're creatures of the moment we we love being in the heat of the moment lots of times as just fans and people (laughs) a human race you know we love living in the moment and the moment hasn't been too good to him this year and even towards even for a lot of last year i mean it's been a while since chris bryant's put up a chris bryant style stretch Right, because yeah, when he could be real good, he could be real damn good. Yeah, NL MVP, good. good. Yeah, and I think it's just it's been so long since Cub fans have seen that. I mean, when was the last time you saw it? Maybe spurts, spurts of it in 2017. Yeah, you know, and then you were blaming it on you know a multitude of things. One of them maybe being a World Series hangover, or but baseball is that weird sport where. You want to see a guy carry the team, but you can't. It's not like it's like LeBron carrying the Lakers. It's like it's hard for a singular entity in baseball to carry a a team. I think that's what 
think that's what makes Cubs fans so angry is because they they expect him to do that. And ever since 16, it's been a tail off on their expectations of where the team should be. Like the Cubs should be the Dodgers, where they've at least made two to three World Series. Whether you win them or lose them, you're in the big you're in the big games. And because it's gone down in 17 in NLCS, then 18, then 19, and 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 you don't even, and you missed it last year, and then you come back this year, and it's like. There, there's an expectation that is not being met by Cubs fans, and they're blaming him for it. Two things I would say about that. One is, while you're 100% correct in, even if Chris Bryant was MVP Chris Bryant, that's still, unfortunately, in the game of baseball, not good enough to make them an automatic World Series contender. Right, look at like Mike Trout. Gonna, <laughs> right. No, I know. You're not going to be a World Series front runner just because Chris Bryant is, pay, is, is playing MVP caliber baseball. However, you don't want him to be part of the reason why you're losing. You know, for example, yeah, fair. offense is struggling. You don't want him to be a big part of that. You know, if he's still hitting... 325 with the non-base percentage over 400 and great slugging percentage. And he's driving in a hundred plus and hitting 35 plus home runs. He's obviously not part of that problem. It doesn't have to be MVP style numbers, but you don't want him to be not only part of that struggling offense, but some, sometimes, especially as of late, like a big part <laughs> to that struggling offense. So I think that's the counter set while you're right that even MVP KB doesn't make you a World Series favorite. The flip side of that is you don't want him to be struggling as bad as the rest of the crew is. Another thing I want to point out before we rewrap it up is one of the more scarier things as of late in terms of White Sox baseball is losing these past few games to the Indians. You hate to see it because, one, you could run up to them in October. You could find yourself facing them again. And who do you think is going to have a, a heck of a lot of confidence facing the White Sox in October? One of those teams is going to be the Cleveland Indians just because of how the few the past few days panned out. Also, what are the Cleveland Indians besides, you know, an AL Central, you know, foe? They are a playoff team. <laughs> you don't want to play this. Whether you, whether you face them or not in the playoffs, you don't want to compete this way against a playoff caliber team. So those are, you know, the past few nights as I'm watching these games, you, you kind of have to gear up for it now. They, they should be treating it almost as a playoff game. And I know only to a certain extent, because, for example, you had Lucas Giolito tonight who went, what was it, like 115 plus, plus pitches, which was a little surprising to me. Uh, and you have Dallas Keuchel tomorrow. I know you want to, while you want to kick it into playoff intensity style mode, it's that slippery slope of, yes, we want to play that kind of style of baseball because we want to get into that kind of mentality. Oh, but also because it's such a short season and we're going right into the playoffs and we're going to play more playoff games than usual, their next starts, both Giolito and Keuchel, it's going to be in October and fairly soon. So, so how much do you really push it from a starting pitcher standpoint, from a bullpen standpoint? How much do you really throw it all out there when come a week, less than a week's time, you have to be ready now to play October baseball? It's just very weird. You know, you're not going to have three, four days off, you know, before you, you know, go and, and have your first meaningful postseason game. We haven't even won the division yet. I mean, in a 162 game season, you know, you could theoretically win the division 145 games in maybe. Even 150, say you win the division at game 150, now you have 12 games to maybe rest some guys and things like that. And then there's going to be less playoff rounds to play in and plan for, so you don't have to worry about potentially having that long of a postseason run. Obviously, you want to prepare for as long as a postseason run as you can, but now if you want to go all the way to the show, you have to prepare for an even longer postseason run, so... It's getting weird. Yeah, everything's (laughs) a little weird because right, you don't have that luxury. And so I said it before, it's all about luxuries. You don't have those same ones. And you have a really tight division race that's not helping you. Because you want to win your division. I mean, that's what you, what you want. But then, like, you look at Giolito, you go, okay, you have this big pitch count because you want to win the division. Fine. But when you go into a playoff, it has no off days. You know, it used to be, all right, you have two to three 
starting pitchers that you need to have on your team, and they can recycle because you have the off days and how the series worked. Now, if you're playing every day, you can't go back to Giolito two days later. It's it just it's it's a weird conundrum now. Like you want to plan for the playoffs, but everything you're doing up until them and during them is completely opposite of what you ever done, and it makes it it makes it very hard to manage. I, I don't know what you do. It's it's it, it's wild and crazy but luckily everyone's in the same boat it's not like you know you're alone in this so no yeah like you said, yeah. How, how do you manage it i don't know david ross is gonna have to figure it out year one <laughs> as it comes manager right that's gonna be fun for him but yeah i don't know where, where, where do you stand then joey as as we uh wrap it up here on the believe in chicago sports podcast thank you all for joining and tuning in so far I think you said it earlier. You have them going at least past the one round. You know, we talk. I feel like the pulse changes every show, but right now we're we still have the Cubs past that first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I would say so. It may not be easy, but I I I, I would think so. I think I, I don't know. The more I see the White Sox and and their division, I think the AL is way tougher than the NL this year, and I think the Cubs can sneak by at least a round. But the Sox, I mean, between the Twins. And the Indians. Oh, don't tell me they can't. Oh no, they can't. No, no, no. I'm saying they can. It's just there's. T- I think there's time for competition. I mean, the the. I may be the only idiot that hasn't watched Rays baseball this year, but like between them and the A's, and there's a lot well, of good two teams on this show. Then, because <laughs> I haven't watched much either. I'm I'm ashamed to say it that I am, but I've I've been sleeping on that team. I mean they, they're the front runners. What's going on down there? It's in the water. <laughs> Struck by a ray. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that would hurt. That would hurt, and I don't know. You 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 do look at the AL, and it's 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 just it's wild. You have Oakland, who every what every handful of years or something. Just this is what I love about Oakland, small market team that they are. When Oakland gets back into the playoffs, you know, after having to go through their constant rebuilds and, and developing, but when they're back. They're back. They they are just competing with the powerhouses in the AL in terms of like regular season record. They are up there with the Yankees and the Astros, which, by the way, funny Astros playing 500 baseball this year because you're not banging on garbage cans. But anyways, we're not going to get into that. Um, but when Oakland's back, they are back record wise. Yeah, but never they never go far, though. No, no. But it's still impressive what they do in the regular season. Like I said, when, when yeah. the development and, and the rebuilding is finally there. So, but that's what I was getting to is you still have an Oakland team who is very, you know, still a young core, not a payroll juggernaut powerhouse, like the New York Yankees, you know, their, their payroll is probably closer. I haven't looked at it on paper, but I'm sure closer to the Rays than it is to the New York Yankees. So you have teams like the Rays in Oakland, who are, much smaller payrolls than you look into a powerhouse like the Yankees. But after the Yankees, then you have, you know, thus far, at least teams that clinched Minnesota, White Sox, Cleveland, Minnesota and Cleveland, a little bit more used to the playoffs out of the AL central than the White Sox are in in the past few seasons. But the only main real powerhouse there so far in terms of teams that have clinched are the New York Yankees. Then after that, you just have, the Rays, who for whatever reason, maybe they're doing really well because Dan and Joey are not watching this, watching them this season. And then you have the Oakland A's. But whoever it may be that the White Sox face, just let's turn the bats around, boys. I, I feel the pitching will be there. The pitching hasn't had much struggles. I mean, a couple walk off the past few nights, but they've been close games. And if the offense was there to do what the offense has been doing all season long, those are probably saves and wins instead of losses. But it's not the case. Come on, boys. <laughs> Ricky's boys don't quit. No, they don't. No, they don't. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to download, rate, like, subscribe us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, he's at Tweet Dan Collins on Twitter. I'm at Joey Gelman on Twitter. It is part of the Believe Podcast Network. We'll be back with you guys um, on Monday. 
because we got a Bears game to recap. Bears-Falcons, so we'll uh, be recording Sunday night and get you all of our thoughts for a fun Monday morning show on hopefully is what is a Bears win and a oddly satisfying and angering uh, 3-0. So we'll talk to you guys then. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.